this evening. I've roughly given the title of this message. It's found in verse uh, 16, where he says, I hate divorce. In our day, in 2023, America, we need to remember what marriage really is. And that the marriage is to uh, reflect the beauty of our God and of the covenant that he has made with us. That it is a picture of his grace and of his goodness. It's not about us, it's about him. So we, we bear that witness. And as people are trying to figure out what marriage really means, we know the answer because we see it in his word throughout. One man, one woman from the beginning, that was what God calls a marriage. One man, one woman. And even in today's world, sometimes too often it has been polluted and distorted in so many different ways. We won't get into all of those, but just remembering what God calls marriage and holding fast to his word and to his truths. So as we begin, let us once again go to the Lord in prayer. Master, you are gracious and merciful and glorious. Because of your kindness, you have allowed us to come into your presence, looking at your word so that we can see you, not to see anyone else or anything else, but we're here to see you and to hear you. Will you please open our eyes and open our ears that we may be able to perceive and to look upon that beauty that you alone possess. Thank you, Father, for your grace. Thank you for the gifts and, and the mercy that you have shown us time and time and time again. As our current world is very confused about a lot of, a lot of things, let your people stand true to your word. Unapologetically, Say, saying, thus saith the Lord, this is what truth is. It's not my opinion. It's not your opinion. This is the declaration of the Creator. Help us, Father, and may you be glorified in Jesus' name. Amen. In this portion of Malachi... Yes, there's a lot of uh, disturbing things going on. Um, Malachi, Ezra, Nehemiah, all similarly around the same time, they were um, trying to declare the truths of God's word as it was completely being distorted by those who didn't believe. And that's, in our, in our situation, it's very similar that we, as God's people, as the world outside 
are trying to tell us, well, this is what's right. We don't have to listen to them. Because thus saith the Lord, the Lord, our God, our our creator has declared this in his word. We don't apologize for God's word. And we give it and pray that God will open their eyes to see the truth. That they will realize what truth really is, what they're pawning off and portraying and, and selling. So we're not buying. We don't need it. People trying to figure out, uh, again, again, the marriage thing. People trying to figure oh, well, it, it's okay for this, that, and two girls to get married, two guys to get married, it's okay. I was told as a pastor that if two people come up and say they want to get married, I have to marry them. I said, no, I don't. Said, yes, you do. I said, no, I don't. If there are two believers, I don't marry them. And I said, I would do premarital counseling with them, but I'm not, that doesn't mean I have to marry them. I'm not going to perform that service. I said, but you have to. You're the pastor. I'm like, because I'm the pastor, I don't have to. What I do have to do is represent the Lord, the King of kings and Lord of lords. That's what I have to do, not to pacify the world as they try to uh, sell us a bill of goods and say, well, it's okay. No, it's not. And as the discussion on uh, marriage and how marriages, too often we see, I don't know the statistics today, I haven't really looked at it for a while, but it was probably in early 2000, it was pretty much a marriage had a 50-50 chance. One out of two marriages will not last. And that was, that's sad. And we, we, we've seen evidence all around us when it just, it, it's not that big of a deal. If you enter into the covenant of marriage as it's not a big deal, then there's a good chance that it may not become a big deal to you. Even though you made a covenant with the other person and with, before God that it will show what's really in our hearts. I'm not going to stand here and say, uh, this has to happen, this has to happen. God has to happen in each and every marriage, that God has to be the focal point. That I can say, thankfully, as much as I love my bride and I love that my bride loves me, I'm thankful that my bride loves Jesus more. That her love for the Lord needs to be greater than mine. That her love for me. Not to say, don't love me anymore, any, but, uh, but it's like, in comparison, there shouldn't be, oh, it's close. No, no. My love for the Lord should be much greater than my love for my bride, as hers is to me. 
she must be loving the Lord Jesus Christ much higher, much greater. Together we, we are uh, the components of the bride of Christ. Through his grace that he has extended to us, that we look to him and that we love him most, more than anything else. Looking at these opening verses, where he says in verse 10, Do we not have, do we not I have one Father? Has not one God created us? Why do we do treacherously with each other against his brother so as to profane the covenant of our fathers? The way the actions of the people were in such a way, he's going to get more specific to what he's talking about in a few more verses. But he said, our actions against our brothers, against our families, we are profaning the Lord's name by the way that we act. You and I have all met individuals who will say, if you share the gospel, and they'll say, Oh, yeah, I believe. Inside my mind, sometimes I'll say, do you? Since I'm, I'm, I'm seeing you, I'm working around you, are you portraying Christ? But I keep that in my cranium right now, and then I try to enter into a greater conversation of their faith. What are they how are they justifying themselves? Oh, I believe in God. Okay. Again, I've shared this. Over. A lady was saying, oh, I, don't worry, preacher. I believe in God. I said, do you? I said, yes. I said, do you tremble? No. See, the demons believe in he, they tremble. <laughs> we should really understand the power that God possesses is so much greater than anything that we have in ourselves. So we need to be very cautious and humble before a holy God. When T and I first started dating a few centuries ago, that I, she was... She was a believer. I thought I was too. Because I didn't know anything about it. I rationalized in my mind because I had believed that there was a person named Jesus, so I must be a Christian. I was raised in a moral home, but not a Christian home. I had no idea. And in the day when... Like I said, centuries ago, when we wrote letters instead of text, uh, I, I got letters the size of a small novel packed in a small envelope that she would send me and be full of the gospel. And then, as I've shared, certain cap kept upon, I was on duty with, and 24-hour duty, and certain cap would share the gospel with me. Could I be on duty with anybody except for certain cap? Because he's going to be preaching to me that 24 hours. But I thank God for Sergeant Cap. Because in that time, the Lord was opening my eyes to how pathetic I was. 
And then I realize, oh God, I need you. I need your forgiveness. Because according to your word, I stand condemned. And you are so right to condemn me because of my actions. Have mercy on me, a pathetic sinner. And I can say, thank, thank the Lord. He has shown me mercy and grace. So I can testify that God is faithful and God is good. And it's understanding of what a Christian is, how in these op- that opening verse, and he says it in verse 10 and verse 11, how they have dealt treacherously with one another. Being acting treacherously, meaning faithlessly, deceitfully, in the context of a marriage. We should not be dealing treacherously with one another in, in a marriage or just as a brother and sister in Christ, as fellow believers in Christ. We don't need to be dealing deceitfully or wickedly with one another so that God's name won't be profaned. As Paul was writing in Romans chapter 2, and he says, uh, it says correctly that uh, the Lord's name is blasphemed because of you. So many people who name them, call themselves Christians acting so wickedly are causing the unbelieving world to blaspheme the name of our holy God. It says, this shouldn't happen. That is dealing treacherously. That is dealing falsely, faithlessly. We do that in general with one another. We don't need to do that. We're going to zero it in a little bit closer into marriage here in a minute. But as we deal with individuals around us, always remembering that we are bearing the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. My actions, your actions, in front of an unbelieving world, they are looking for an excuse We've all heard it. Well, if so-and-so, if they're Christians, then I don't have a problem because they're doing this, this, that, and the other. No. We don't give the world ammunition and justification of their wickedness, that they will blaspheme the name of our holy God. But dealing faithlessly, deceitfully, And she said, in this context, he's talking about uh, uh, in marriage. He's starting to zero in, uh, finding out how treacherously in the next verse, in verse 11. He says, Judah has dealt treacherously and an abomination has been committed in Israel and in Jerusalem. For Judah has profaned the sanctuary of the Lord, which he loves and has married the daughter of a foreign god. Years ago, I was speaking on marriage, and we had quite a few youth there, and I 
made a comment about the youth that you don't need to date anybody who's not a believer. Because I promise you marry the kind of people you date. So if you're dating, you don't need to date an unbeliever. That's completely out of the question. Then I was told, you can't say that. I said, but I did. And I said, and I will again, unapologetically. Those, if, if you have not been joined in marriage, you don't need, you don't need, well, maybe I can change them. Maybe I can change him. Maybe I can change her. You can't. It takes the Holy Spirit of God that does the changing, not you. They will do nothing but bring you down and to corrupt your good standing. Again, um, the verse just popped in and popped out. 1 Corinthians 15.33, I believe. Good company corrupts good morals. So we need to make sure that we are getting, having our relations with those who are believers. This isn't a game. This isn't a, 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 some lottery. We're going to roll some dice and see if it works. No. This is too serious. Our lives and our lives especially together is too serious because as those that are married, we have the responsibility to reflect our Creator. That the world around will say, what is it about you guys? Y'all are a little bit different. That's why I, I say that this is my bride. Uh, I grew up in a world that the spouse, usually meaning the wife, she was also called the war department or uh, something, uh, or the battle axe, all kinds of less flat flattering uh, words to describe the other. It's like, I was thankful. I had an aunt and uncle that they demonstrated a love for one another. Uncle Ed always called Aunt Pauline his bride. I'm like, why does he do that? Because I didn't grow up like with hearing that a lot. But I saw how their lives reflected one another and encouraged one another. I said, okay, I know what I grew up with. I want to reflect that. Something that is honoring to the bride that my God has given me. It's not, again, a uh, little... Rolling the dice and just say, "See, see if this works. We'll try this. If it doesn't work, we'll we'll, we'll go. We'll find something else." Say, "No, marriage is too important, and it is permanent. Because when the two are married, there's a there is a bonding more than just a physical, but just a, a psychological. When the one is there, great. If there's if there's a split up, then." 
there's a piece of that person and a piece of that person that have been ripped out of those people. And then they've, they've got these areas that's just open wounds. But our marriages should be reflective of the God who's had mercy on us. Now, husbands, we are to love our wives just as Christ loved the church. Even when the disciples were very boneheaded and said they didn't believe a lot of things, how are we going to do that? Just trust me. He loved them anyway. Not, not the what, oh, what, what is he going to get? Our, our marriage relationships is not, okay, what am I going to get out of this? No. How can I best reflect my Lord and Savior to the other person and to the world around us? That they will see Christ, that this marriage is more than just some man-made manufacturing of unions. It is so much more. And it's so much more important. As he said in verse 11, that abomination has taken place. Where there were those, and you're reading through uh, Nehemiah and Ezra, you see where they had married other women that were not from Israel. They, were, they, they didn't believe God. They, they had other gods. We need to make sure. And it's not, I don't believe it's wrong to dig down and find the details about what the other person believes. Before marriage. Not just, oh, I'll find out about that later. No, you find out about it now. Because it's that important. Does she believe in the Lord? Correctly? Does he believe in the Lord correctly? Know the word of God so that you can have a conversation and find out. But when they were marrying these daughters of a foreign God, he called that an abomination. Our world, our culture today Oh, it's not that big of a deal. Yes, it is. Again, when they were talking about, I, as a pastor, I needed to marry whatever came, saying they want to get married. I said, no, I don't. There was a couple. They came. They want to get married. I said, all right. I've got some questions for you. And I would ask the questions and if they were not on the same page, they weren't believers, well, I'm sorry. I can't do it. For my own personal convictions, I can't and I won't do that ceremony. Period. Ask God's blessing upon a union that is not honoring to Him, where the two individuals are not looking to honor Him in their union, God is actually that important. He's not an option. It's like either we believe God or we don't. 
So, as many have said, well, you're a pastor. You're a pastor. You have to marry him. I said, as a pastor, I do not. I don't even have to marry a man and a woman who said they want to get married. I said, okay, because there's some com- words I need to exchange, and they need to verify that we're on the same page. If not, I don't have to. And I don't, and I didn't. But you're supposed to. Says who? I'm not here to pacify the culture around us. I'm here to be pleasing to my God, my Creator, my Savior, who's had mercy on my miserable hide, and I want to honor Him through the life that I live and as I'm leading the people, that they will see him and that they will adore him. He says also in uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 6, Second Corinthians chapter 6, verse 14. Do not be bound together with unbelievers. For what part, what partnership have righteousness and lawlessness? Or what fellowship has light with darkness? Or what harmony has Christ with Belial? Or what has a believer in common with an unbeliever? Or what agreement has the temple of God with idols? For we are the temple of the living God. Just as God said, I will dwell in them and walk among them. And I will be their God and they shall be my people. Marriage is that big of a deal. And we all should see it as that big deal. And that the union, it's not just a man and a woman, not just any man and any woman, but it is, are, are these two believers looking to bring honor to the Creator? If we are believers, then that's what our union is to be about. Raising, as the verse later on goes uh, in Malachi, raising godly seed. That they will grow up and seeing God in his beauty and God in his goodness. They will see the reflection of the Lord in their mother and in their father. That it's not just something we just talk about on the side. But it's real. Not just like a fashion craze. It's important for one minute, but then a couple days later, ah, we're over that. No. We're not. We, we're, we're, we're trusting in the Lord. And we're looking at, looking at His goodness. In a verse in Malachi, it says, Judah has profaned the sanctuary of the Lord, 
has married the daughter of a foreign god. I was surprised when I asked, was that important in the relationship of, of these two individuals? And I said, well, we can work on it later on. So if you don't work on it now, it won't be worked out at all. You do this before the union begins. Not afterwards. To make sure you both are on the same page, going in the same direction. The promise of representing the King of Kings and Lord of Lords. Husbands loving the wives just as Christ loved the church. Wives loving your husband as not as a lesser individual, but as the Lord Jesus, he humbled himself. He's equal with God the Father, but he humbled himself to the Father. Wives, humbling yourselves to reflect the Lord Jesus Christ. Has he humbled himself before the Father? Marriage is actually that important so that the world will see that there is a difference in the marriage of a believing family and a non-believing family. That they will see it's not just one a roll of the dice just to see how it works out. No, there's a purpose behind it. And the purpose is that God will be glorified and his name will be magnified and that he will be worshipped. And that if God blesses with children, that they will have a good example to see the way their father loved their wife, their, their mother, and how the mother loved their father. They can see what a marriage is supposed to look like. Is it going to be perfect? No, but have a, a better understanding of what it is. And in the world, how many are straddling the fence too often. Still in 2 Corinthians chapter 6. The last part of that, uh, verses 17 and 18, says, Therefore, come out from their midst and be separate, says the Lord, and be not, and do not touch what is unclean, and I will welcome you. And I will be a father to you, and you shall be sons and daughters to me, says the Lord Almighty. Not just a call, let's go out and just uh, live happy and be super nice and just say, we're just going to do that just to get along. 
We're living our lives to represent the King of kings and Lord of lords, the one who has redeemed us, the one who has had mercy on our sorry hides, that we will look to him. And their lives will be telling others that they also need to repent because every one of us is going to be standing someday before a holy God. And he has the last word with every one of us. Either be yes or no. Has that person repented of their rebellion against me? Or have they not? Have they been redeemed? Or the unregenerate? Too many in our culture today try to straddle the fence as long as they can to at least make it sound okay. But God says he does something different. And that this marriage is to be a reflection of who he is. The difference that God has made in my life, the difference that God has made in my wife's life. And that by the grace of God, as he has given us children, that they will see what a marriage is supposed to look like. A better reflection and representation of the God who had mercy on us. He says back in Malachi chapter 2, In verse 13, he says, And this is another thing you do. You cover the altar of the Lord with tears, with weeping, and with groaning, because the Lord no longer regards the offering or accept it with favor from your hands. They can come and they can weep out. Well, God, why aren't you? Why aren't you blessing us? Israel's like we are, are. Are we not your people? We are Israel. We should. We should be receiving your blessings, and you should be happy with what we're doing, even though they're not doing it right. Which is very reflective of our day today. God, why aren't you blessing me? We think we're doing God a favor somehow. Like God needs something that we have. He needs nothing of what we have. What we need is Him. And to be more reflective of Him and give a better representation of Him and less of ourselves. That the world around us will see. See, the problem was Israel, much like in our day today, people don't, are not finding the place for repentance. It says, God, why, why, aren't you, why aren't you blessing us? We're, we're bringing these offerings, but even though we're not doing it right, but does it make any difference? Come on, we're just... Here, here, I'm killing some animal. Why aren't you, why aren't you just pleased with it? It's because we're not, they weren't doing it correctly. And they found 
in their heart no room for repentance of their wicked actions. Thinking that because they were of the descendants of Abram, Abraham, that, oh, God has to bless us. No, he doesn't. He blesses his word. He blesses repentance. He blesses his name. And those that are reflective of his name. Over in the book of Galatians. Chapter 6, close to where pastor was this morning. About deeds of the flesh. Deeds of the spirit. Fruit of the spirit, excuse me. In chapter 6. In verse 8, for the one who sows to the flesh shall from the flesh reap corruption. But the one who sows to the Spirit shall from the Spirit reap eternal life. Are we sowing to the flesh or are we sowing to the Spirit? Are we looking for our, the reward to be Something fleshly or something eternal? Something that is more reflective and similar in position and in holiness to the God that had mercy on us? Or is it, well, I just think it's a good idea. God doesn't need my good ideas or your good ideas. He wants his word reflected back to him. Obedience. And it's not saying, oh, I love God, I love God, I love God. He says in John, he says, if you love me, you'll keep my commandments. If you don't love me, you won't. So it's not that we have a love problem, we have an obedience problem. That our lives are to be obedient, reflective of his grace and of his goodness. Because the gospel is to be making a difference in our lives. Some say, well, I, well, my gospel is this. It doesn't, I, again, many people have a re, their own rendition of what the gospel is, but the gospel is what the word has to say. God has revealed his gospel. That is the good news. The gospel tells us that by, by naturally we are his enemies and that we need to repent of our re- rebellion against him and ask for his mercy that we will not be crushed. He says, God, have mercy on me, the sinner. Not that, well, I'm, I'm not as bad as this guy over here or this gal over here. That Jesus lived that perfect life. He was the Lamb of God. He had no spot, no blemish. He lived the life perfectly obeying the word of God, even in his cranium. He didn't even have wicked thoughts. You and I don't understand that. At least I don't. Even in his thoughts, all of his thoughts were pure and right. And because he was perfect, even in his cranium, even in his thoughts, he was able to be the Lamb of God, that Lamb without blemish who would take away the sin of the world. That he stood capable and qualifying 
that he could be, that he is the Lamb of God that died in our place. That the rebellion that you and I had on us, he took it on himself. This is a bad deal. We got his righteousness, he took our sin. He was crucified. And he died a miserable death. And by his grace, he's been giving us life and life eternal. We now have his righteousness placed upon our accounts. Not that we are that good, but because he is the Lamb of God and he died for a reason. Somebody was shocked and said, yeah, yeah, he died for me. I said, well, kind of. I said, what do you mean kind of? I said, he died for the glory of God the Father. Don't make yourself out as more important than you really are. He died for the glory of God. That God will have worshipers about him, adoring him, obeying him. Because the gospel makes a difference. Not just pretty words to say when it's convenient. When you're around the right crowd. Back in Malachi chapter 2 verse 14 he says, You say, for what reason? Because the Lord has been a witness between you and the wife of your youth. Against you whom you have dealt treacherously. Though she is your companion and your wife by covenant. But no one who has done, done so who has a remnant of the spirit. And what did that one do while... Seeking godly offspring, take heed then to your spirit and let no one deal treacherously against the wife of your youth. Again in verse 16, God declares, I hate divorce. Only a few things in Scripture, declares God hates. Yes, God is love, but guess what? He also hates. He hates divorce. He hates what it does to the individuals and the pain that is caused by the breaking up of the union. Not to deal treacherously. Husbands, don't deal treacherously with the wife of your youth. Ladies, do not deal treacherously with the husband of your youth. Or even not from youth, just your husband. Or your wife. I don't care. Deal with them as God directs us to. For his honor and for his glory. Again, as I said. What do we do do in seeking to raise godly offspring? Let, Let the offspring see. The mother loving God more than the husband and let the offspring see the father loving 
God more than the wife. It all works in unison. It is not conflicting. It's not barbaric. It's not hateful. But it's beautiful. I can say that my wife and I love somebody more than each other. She's loving Jesus more than she loves me. And I'm loving Jesus more than I'm loving her. And in that, God is glorified. The world needs to see what marriage is supposed to look like. Not what they're trying to portray and say, oh, this is okay. No. What God says is what's okay. And that the offspring will grow up. I don't know how y'all were raised. But hopefully it's not in the way that I saw my parents. And how they responded to one another. I said, I want to stop that with my generation. I want to love my wife. I pray my wife loves me. And my children, that they'll see their daddy loving their wife, their, their mother. But still loving Jesus more. And seeing their mother loving the father but loving Jesus more. We're in a fallen world. Some say, well, well that might have been good for, the, for days and days gone by. Back in them old days, when we had to write letters, not text them. Uh, it's still good today. Because God's word is always current. And let's love him most. With every head bowed and eye closed. We'll close. Lord, we see a world around us that is so corrupt and Sadly, truly ignorant of your truths. Let your people love you. And when it comes to this thing called marriage that you have instituted, that you have created, so that you will be worshipped. Marriage isn't all just about the man. It's not all about the woman. But it is all about you. God, help us to reflect you in our marriages. And as the world is just being the world, unregenerate and full of children of wrath, we don't have to comply and fit in with them. But we hold to your truths. And we trust you. 
help our folks who have not married to seek you in that marriage if you desire them to be married. For those of us who have been blessed with a partner of our youth, may we honor you in the midst. Thank you, Father, for your grace. Thank you for your goodness. In the mighty name of Jesus, I pray.